Hey, everybody, if you have watched The Millennial Farmer, then you know I've got a pretty righteous Thunder Creek fuel trailer out here. Thunder Creek fuel trailers are built by farmers for American farmers. Right now, a lot of farmers are taking home fully loaded Thunder Creek trailers that are in stock near you with an average of only $1,300 down. Financing is, of course, subject to approval. You can check out thundercreek.com for product info, some stories from the field, and other great deals. That's thundercreek.com. Hanging out, having a few brews here. A few brews. I, I, uh, so I didn't, I didn't ask, is it okay if I bring whiskey on the show? I mean, I, I know that, uh, uh whiskey is usually that... kind of a deal breaker. Oh, really? We're going to let it fly this time. I suppose. Yeah, I won't, won't let you see it then. <laughs> <laughs> Steel, why don't you do us a favor and tell our kids to go upstairs and be quiet now? Yeah. Uh, kids get out of here. You got to go be quiet. You hear that guys? So I'll tell you what, I am a uh, longtime faithful listener to Fieldwork, but I somehow have missed Off the Husk. So um, I, I have been told it's like the, the after hours, after dark special of, uh, of Fieldwork. Is that, is that accurate? Mm, no. <laughs> I would say the after hours, after dark part is correct. Um, Af- but it, after, after hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely none of the fieldwork people want to be associated with what goes on here. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. I think I am I am not prepared then. <laughs> so for for anybody listening that might not know what fieldwork is, they could check out Fieldwork, which is the other podcast that I'm a part of with Minnesota Public Radio. And we actually like for this podcast, it kind of ties in a little bit because Steel works with Steel Lorenz, who is our guest today, works with, uh, we're going to get into what Gradable is and what FBN is doing with that and carbon credits and how that works. And hopefully you can explain it to uh, like a normal farmer like me that doesn't fully understand it. But we've actually talked a lot about that on fieldwork lately. So it's, it, it kind of, it kind of ties in, but a lot of it on fieldwork has been way over my head. So I'm hoping you can dumb it down for me, Steel. Hey everyone, I'm Zach Johnson. And I'm Mitchell Hora. We are both farmers and hosts of Fieldwork, which is a podcast from APM, where we have honest conversations about agriculture and sustainability. In our new season, we're tackling all sorts of interesting topics, like how conservation will look under the Biden administration. You'll learn a lot, and of course, we are both really, really charming. Obviously. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and check us out at fieldworktalk.org. Well, I, I came on the show. I was hoping you guys would tell me a little bit what what uh, what I've gotten myself into, to be honest. So uh, we'll we'll have to work through it together. I think <laughs> this is a really really structured show. Um, we we want to make sure we stay on topic here and discuss the important issues without really like we don't we don't want to get off track. <laughs> Perfect. And Perfect. I'm absolutely I'm- joking about that. Uh, well, okay. Well, then let me throw out this agenda that I brought. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Burn that thing because we're we'll just burn it as we go. Honestly. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be honest, uh, we could be we could be so boring about carbon credits, and I I prefer not to be. I mean, let's uh, let's talk about it in normal terms, right? Like, I don't think I don't think there's any dumbing down, but I think that there is a 
uh, just a normal way to talk about what we're trying to do. That's not, you know, uh, permanence and additionality and all these kind of like things that end up being bogged down. And so, so yeah, I, I think that this will be a great, um, kind of topic to dig into. I had to take a second there and, and, and let Becky, my wife, into the um, into the podcast. <laughs> I, I was sitting here wondering, like, where's Becky? She's supposed to be on here. But I, I had to admit her. But I still don't see her. But yeah. OK, so you're right. I kind of feel the same way, like the, the carbon credit thing. Like when you first hear it, it's almost like, well, you know, it sounds like you're going to have a, what, a fun discussion about accounting or something. <laughs> But yes. that's like, actually what it is. It is like, well, it's uh, it's about it's a mind numbing discussion about accounting, right? You're you're exactly right. <laughs> but uh, from a farmer's standpoint here, this could be like really seriously a new market to take advantage of. And if if this all goes according to plan, I mean, I'm interested to see where this goes. And and I, why, why don't we step back first? And if you can dumb it down enough and explain to us what carbon credits are, what a carbon market is. And keep in mind, you're talking to probably a lot of other farmers just like me who have heard of the idea, but like, what the hell is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll tell you what, you're, you're gonna, I'm gonna make you play referee. So if I start going into, we, we just launched this product this week, right? So if I start talking about all kinds of stuff that, that uh, you know, is, is uh, uh, nonsense, right? Like just, just call me out on it, all right? So um, what, let's start with what a carbon credit is. So a carbon credit is a ton of uh, CO2 uh, or CO2 equivalent. Uh, so um, some kind of gas that's stored uh, for a period of time. Uh, and that time is really important as well. So um, what <laughs> the reason why we get into all these accounting issues is because uh, the way that these markets work is it's not just um, the the gas is stored, but it has to be stored over, you know, 20, 50, 100 years. And that's, that's when all the, the kind of bummer begins. And we, we have to be tracking for a long time. And we have to start, um, you know, the accounting mechanisms, but uh, one ton uh, sequestered for a period of time will generate a credit, right? And who, the reason why these things have value is because uh, there are all kinds of um, companies, uh, at least uh, they have made commitments to reduce their carbon uh, footprint uh, over time as well. And so because it can be very expensive for them, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to reduce uh, parts of their uh, carbon footprint, uh, they instead turn to uh, sources that can be purchased relatively cheaply, um, not not so cheaply uh, as to as to make it not interesting for growers, right? But uh, if you can sell these credits for twenty dollars, thirty dollars, forty dollars, it can be a lot less expensive than you know another organization trying to reduce. So um, that is really what we're talking about. And when we think about what can can create these credits. Um, there's really kind of two buckets, two opportunities. One um, is increasing carbon in your soils, right? Um, and that is something that, you know, growers have been working on for a very long time. You know, the uh, uh, soil organic content is essentially the good stuff. It's what uh, you all have been working to increase and, and uh, helps grow, you know, crops. And so that's not anything new. The other bucket is uh, a reduction in 
um, what they call abatement, essentially. So the idea, if you don't consume something that has energy, then uh, you get credit for um, not emitting it. And most of that is focused on on nitrogen. Um, it's a very energy intensive uh, good to produce. Uh, and then also because of um, the way that nitrification works, it can it can emit um, if it's not used by the plant. It can um, be uh, it can be released uh, back into the uh, atmosphere as, as carbon. So. I need you guys to rate me right now. How have I done in that in that monologue? Um, did I explain it well? Do we need to go back? What is what is my grade here? Uh, I think we need maybe explain a little more. So we're tra- we're trying not to release the carbon. We're trying to hang on to the carbon. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. We're we're either trying to. Uh, hang on to it in soils uh, or uh, not um, consume goods that that uh, that have a certain energy footprint. Right. So the way that uh, that that second bucket abatement works is that um, you get uh, um, based on your historicals, you get a benchmark uh, for how much uh, nitrogen you might you know use in a in a given year in a in a standard uh, uh, crop season. Uh, if you can reduce from there, um, then the emissions profile, the amount of emissions that's associated with that with that nitrogen, and, and sixty to seventy percent of of uh, all emissions associated with with growing are are from the use of synthetic nitrogen. If you can reduce from that benchmark, uh, then you are creating uh, credits that you can sell. Um, and and uh, so those are the those are the two things. Um, the sequestration, the storage in the soil gets a lot more attention. That's what's kind of a lot more in the news, but the abatement component is equally as valuable. And so you really have to be thinking about both and both are opportunities for credit generation. I have a lot of questions. (laughs) I think you guys didn't come out and say it. You could say, look, that's a, that's a C minus. That's a, that's a D plus kind of answer. Like I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm, I'm here for the critiques. (laughs) Well, you're clearly still above my head. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, I mean, I I feel like we just kind of need a dick joke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. You mentioned at the beginning of that, if you if we back way way up, you mentioned about storing carbon. Yeah. Tell how do you store carbon? Yeah. So there's really a couple of practices that um, that you got to be focused on. Um, but essentially, what happens is you either have a practice that's going to put the carbon in the soil, like uh, cover crop, uh, or you have a practice that uh, you have to. Um, uh, reduce that may uh, disturb the soil and release the carbon. And that's primarily tillage. tillage. Uh, and those are the main uh, credit generating practices. Uh, so if you're, if you have cover crops, if you're adopting tillage or cover crops, that's uh, a very good place to start. And that is uh, taking, you know, carbon uh, from the atmosphere, uh, storing it in your soils in a, a relatively um, stable state. That then- unless, oh, Go ahead. So, I was going to say, so basically, if, if you can if you can take the carbon, store it in your soils, then that's free carbon for you. You can reduce like you can re- reduce urea and no, save urea. carbon there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then burn burn the nitrogen that you've taken and stored in your in your soil. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. 
Um, that's, that's the, that's the way to think about it for sure. Um, and then the other component, making sure that, uh, it, it stays there is, is primarily a tillage program. So, um, the, the best way to think about it is, uh, the less you disturb the soil, the less likely it is that that carbon that you've worked so hard to put there is going to be released. So and that's uh, the abatement side of things. Now, uh, so the, that's that how lost the, I am here, Steel. That's the sequestration side of things. So uh, that is that has to do with storing it in your soil. So, but uh, Becky, was that you, Becky? Becky? Yes, I'm here. Sorry, and of course, then there's going to be a kid interrupting. <laughs> well, we we also we didn't start the show by letting everybody know first off that Becky's not actually in the studio with us at the moment. She's upstairs hiding because she tested I positive. I got COVID. Ah, uh, you kidding? Yeah. So she's hiding yes. upstairs. Uh, she'll be fine. She has the sniffles. <laughs> yes, um, and nothing. then we, I don't know if we really gave Steele a formal introduction here, but Steele Lorenz is with FBN or Farmers Business Network, big supporters of the Off the Husk show. And really the reason why it started in the first place, that the original supporters of the, the first several episodes and still sponsors. Um, so, and, and they started... Um, they started what we're talking about here and we're going to get into more of like what gradable is after we spend the next several hours asking steel, how carbon works. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we got steel Lorenz on. Did I, did I say that? You, I don't, you did. Okay. Uh, three, three times now, three times. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I feel like, I feel like we, we, uh, we started at the most complex part and, uh, and, uh, went in reverse. So we definitely uh, dove in. Yeah, well, let's let's we can, it, we can climb out of the complex hole. But as long as we're there, <laughs> I I believe I learned a number of years ago that one of the issues with uh, no-till, I mean, I'm talking 20 years no-till, is that they get to be where they burn too much carbon. Am I am I way off on that thinking? They're uh, having trouble hanging on to to their to their their uh, um, basically their stocks. You mean like no, no tillers are no tills pro long no tillers. Am I, am I way off? Uh, well, so, um, I don't know exactly the, what you're referring to. I will say that, um, uh, soil will have a, a upward limit on how much carbon it can store. So if you've been doing it for 20 years, that might be the case. Um, and I think, I was, I was kind of talking, I guess, like re residue. They're having trouble keeping the residue because they, they no-till 20, 25 years, and it, it burns that, that residue. And, and the soil eats it too quickly? And essentially, isn't that carbon? Isn't carbon what kind of burns the residue? Uh, I, I feel unprepared to answer this question. <laughs> I'm, I'm very possibly, I'm way off, but I do... <laughs> Well, take comfort in the fact that there are multiple people screaming at the radios right now. Correct. Yeah. Well, they're yelling put, at Randy and not me. You can put once. a liquid. That's right. You can put a liquid nitrogen down in the fall on stocks, like corn stocks. Hmm. And it'll help them rot away quicker. Is that does that have anything to do with carbon, or is that just the nitrogen? You're just you're just making it hot. Nobody wants to answer. All right. So that's, I, that's I'm not a practice that happens here, but I do see people I've, like no tillers will do that. Right. And, yeah. and, and same we've, we've, uh, we've done it for people have hired us to do it really out here. Uh, well, yeah. Oh, West. Huh. I got, I got no answers for you on this one. I, I like, 
I got nothing for you guys. I didn't know that I was going to come on that show and it was going to be gotcha question after gotcha question, but like, I got nothing <laughs> <for> you. <laughs> well, Yeah, we're hard hitters it's, here. It's very quite possibly I'm just asking dumb questions that don't make any sense anyways. So that, that very well could be too. Uh, no, I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you what, Randy, I will uh, personally get you an answer back on that. And we're going to have a follow-up on this, on the show. And I'm going to come and dazzle you with my knowledge on that specific question. So uh, you're, you, so, that's my promise. <laughs> as long as I'm on that. Uh, so another thing, when, they, when they were talking about this same, the same kind of thing, they were talking the mower plows out. So the mower plows aren't good. They're, you know, turning that soil over, but people would say, or, or guys would say, oh, oh man, but when I do it, I get a boost in my yield for the next year or so. And one of the reasons they're talking is because you flip all that over and then it burns carbon so fast that that next year gets a boost, but then your, your advantage really tapers off to a, almost a negative after the next two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of along the same topics again, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. I mean, uh, w- when we're talking about carbon programs, there's there's uh, there's a tremendous number of questions about what happens in the short term versus what happens in the long term. And and typically how I, I get those questions are, you know, aren't people going to game the system? Aren't they going to do something that like gets them a lot of carbon credits in a year or two? But but like, actually, it's bad for bad for their yields and for the for the planet and for all this kind of you know stuff and and the truth is that um the way that the carbon credits are going to work and work the best is 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 if it uh works uh with the systems that you already um, can see, you know, are going to be effective in your field and are going to help you meet, you know, yield goals and are going to help you meet uh, profit goals. Uh, It's not like this kind of separate system that's going to be, you know, bolt on. And then you're going to be, you know, we're only going to have carbon farmers who are going to be making a tremendous amount of money in carbon alone. And then, you know, it doesn't matter what your yield on corn is going to be, you know, it's like, it's kind of the reverse, right? Um, It's a complimentary side gig. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, um, and this is kind of the maddening part because a lot of, a lot of folks that are focused on, on, on creating, you know, the markets and market access for, uh, carbon credits, uh, aren't, you know, asking like, or aren't, aren't able to answer, or aren't able to uh, speak directly to, well, what if I make this practice change you know, what's going to happen next year for my yield? And then uh, what's going to happen in two years? And like, how, how does that actually work within, you know, how I'm planning the rest of my, my, uh, my business, you know, and, and those are the crucial. Oh, able to, to work on that stuff. So well, that wasn't you. Did you, did you freeze there or was it the camera? <laughs> the, Somebody's I, internet froze for a second. <laughs> That's probably. I think it was his because he cut out on my end too. Yeah, so sorry. I'm I'm uh, I'm in the basement. I'm stuck in the basement here. Uh, am I back? You're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Randy yeah. and I know the feeling. We're stuck in the basement too. Correct. <laughs> but luckily, there is a fridge about twenty feet from here. Ah. It's full. <laughs> okay. Um, besides the science of carbon and grabbing it from the atmosphere and storing it and what we're doing there. I'm I'm interested in how a carbon market works because this is something that as a farmer, I look at and say, okay, how, for one, how do I measure this or how does somebody measure this? 
and then h- how do I get paid on it? Like what maybe what maybe is a market? Maybe explain it? to us if we were to call you up and say, "Hey, Steel, uh, we want to we want to make some money on this carbon deal. Can you explain to us how to do that?" There we go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. The first, the first step is going to be uh, looking at, so uh, you, you all know what uh, additionality is. I, I would like to spend just a small amount of time on additionality. Is that where you divide two numbers to get the sum? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And um, so, so additionality is this thing that's going to, uh, is, is, is so frustrating to growers because uh, what it essentially means is that the offset carbon market only rewards new implementation of practices. Uh, that was one of my questions. Yeah. So if you've already been a good, uh, say a good steward, you're a no-tiller planting cover crops uh, and you've mm-hmm. been doing it for years. So, the, so, the, so the guy that has been doing it, not wrong, but has been doing it, not so good will benefit more. That's, that is the unfortunate truth. And from the reason why, is that you know these markets are are developed and theorized by macro economists right and they say the reason why a grower hasn't adopted the practice is because they haven't been they haven't had the right incentives and so if we provide a little bit of an incentive here then all of a sudden you know adoption is going to occur and and the truth is exactly the opposite right like what i mean what what you all have just just said is that Guys have have pioneered these practices, right? They have experimented for for decades, sometimes, you know, working on tillage and working on cover crops. Uh, it's not that they have uh, necessarily, you know, uh, seen the right incentive structure to be successful so far, but uh, it's that they have, um, you know, really tried to push the envelope. And the idea of not rewarding them uh, bothers me as much as I'm sure as it bothers uh, uh, you both. Uh, having you know worked for you know on on tillage and cover crop for for quite some time, so I, I can't change uh, how that part of the market works, and that is always going to be a challenge here. And so, the the bad news for um, you know longtime cover crop uh, folks, longtime tillage uh, uh, strip till or reduced till or no till guys is that um, they are going to you may be able to generate credits, but it's going to be on new practices. So it might be on um, adoption of a new biological, um, increased in uh, precision nitrogen application, um, or could be in uh, uh, biodiversity, uh, putting in a new a new crop into rotation. Those are the kind of new practices that you can get some credits for. So if you were to call me up, we'd start there. We'd say, what are you doing today? What do you think you can be successful with in the future? Right. So can I ask how long do you have to adopt an old practice to requalify for a new practice? <laughs> and these, these are the You're questions already <laughs> reading between the lines here, aren't you? Randy's fine in the gray areas. These are the questions about uh, how, how, what, you know, it seems like people are going to game the system. Right. And I, that's absolutely something we got to, we got to be serious about, but I, I have yet to meet a, a guy that has been doing, has been no telling for 20 years who says, 
great. I can't, I'm going to do full till for two years, three years, five years, get reestablished to, you know, do some carbon credit. Program. Right. And then I'm going to, it's just, uh, that's you probably might, not you might really see some of those guys. No, that might happen. But uh, I think that the, the truth is that those practices that people, when you, when you have committed and you've really found what works for your farm, it's difficult to go back. And, and uh, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of takers for, you know, those carbon credit things. So, okay. So, Beyond the credits, I'm a farmer. I acquire a bunch of credits. Uh, you know, I change some practices up, get the credits. How does a market work? How do I get money or an incentive off of that? Why am I doing it? Why am I yeah. a part of this program? Yeah. So um, markets are super early uh, here, and I want to be want to be you know clear with everybody. Um, there is not a you know at the at um, the Chicago board of, of trade or whatever, you know, there's not a, a ticker for, um, for carbon, right? Like there, it's not uh, being bought, sold and trade there. There's uh, uh, there's no futures for it currently, although that, that may change. And so what that, what that results in is a very illiquid market, right? Um, the buyers for these credits today are large corporations that are trying to um, offset their their emissions for their for their business, and so um, the credits that we are selling uh, that we're offering uh, that growers are offering through you know through their soils or through their abatement are uh, much more valuable to these companies um, than other credits um, because. Uh, of the permanence that comes along with them, uh, because of the uh, geographic location that comes along with them, that this, because of the uh, story that comes along with them. You know, American made uh, still garners a premium, right? <laughs> so um, essentially what that means is that you need, uh, it's you cannot just um, you don't have a lot of the functionality of, that a market uh, might have today for your for your corn or for your beans or whatever you're growing. Uh, you have to work with a uh, a broker who's going to go and find um, these these buyers who are buying privately. Um, and so that's part of the service that that FBN is offering um, to be able to help uh, make these markets, to be able to go out and and find buyers, to be able to package a bunch of credits together because buyers are not buying, you know. Uh, a couple hundred here, a couple thousand there. They're buying in in large blocks, um, facilitating that kind of um, that that uh, matching between buyers and sellers. That's how it works. Um, so so it, not very well, essentially. What we think is going to happen in the future is a different story, though. So um, what we think is going to happen is that uh, uh, the increase in demand from the voluntary side. Uh, is going to create an actual market. Uh, additionally, we uh, have expectations uh, uh, for, uh, that the USDA is going to set up uh, what they have termed a carbon bank, uh, which will be buying consistently from uh, U.S. growers exclusively and at both agroforestry and working lands, uh, buying credits at a large enough volume to create a market uh, and at a specific price floor to make sure that it actually works for growers. You know, you're getting paid for the practices you adopt. It's not a, uh, uh, it doesn't result in losses. So that's a bit about how we see the markets, but um, it is all future state. You know, I, I, I think the last time I, <laughs> you, it's difficult to plan exclusively on government movement. I think, uh, I think everybody could probably agree on that. Right. Um, but it is interesting enough that, 
um, what I would counsel growers now to do is start generating these credits, hold on to them and figure out, you know, what what they want to do with them. If it is sell today, great. That's a price that they like. If they want to hang on to them because they think something's going to happen in the future, also great. I think it's uh, uh, having that optionality, though, is going to be really important. Oh, I, I still have so many. <clears throat> Are all the is, is it a set dollar amount? Like a credit's a credit or as a broker, are you able to broker? The, the best way to think about carbon is as a, as, is as a commodity, right? Uh, and it's a not, not very liquid, but it's as a commodity. And that means the price is never set, right? It, it absolutely depends on demand and it, demands, it, it depends on the quality of the credit produced, right? So um, if you are signing a contract uh, for your carbon credits that has a fixed price, I think that that's a mistake, right? I, it's it's like you know signing something, and these these uh, contracts that people are signing are years into the future. That's like signing you know a contract where you're going to sell corn at a set price in in five years or ten years, right? I mean, it it just completely limits eliminates your upside. So you typically uh, don't sell one year's worth of credits, or, or is that just such a small number that it's not a thing? Um, so you, you absolutely can sell one year of, of credits. Uh, the reason why you would hold is not to accumulate enough so that you could go to market. Uh, you'll be able to sell able to- uh, a half a credit, a quarter of a credit. Um, that will be, that that's fine. Um, it's more thinking about, you know, um, what, wh- what do you think is a good price uh, and do you feel like you have enough information to price yet, right? Um, if you feel like you are selling your credit to somebody who understands more about how the how carbon should be priced or what the future price might be, I think that that's probably a bad deal. And so you you probably want to be in a situation where you can hang on to your credit until you're more confident uh, that you're, you are being offered a good price and a fair price. And that um, that is something that you would want to lock in. Why are these corporations you talk about? So you're saying that, that the, the majority of the people on the market buying these credits are the big corporations or the big factories that are buying these credits. Why are they interested in purchasing these? Yeah. Good question. And that, that gets into what drives a voluntary market. Um, and it's very squishy. <laughs> so uh, companies are buying them for really two reasons. One explicit reason and one um, not so explicit reason. The, the first reason is that they have set uh, goals to their to their shareholders, uh, to their uh, to the stakeholders in the company that they are going to make an improvement on the environmental outcome of that of that company, right? And so, um, typically, what that will involve is a, a number of efforts that may include, you know, putting in a, 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 a energy efficient light bulb, right, in a in a factory and and doing it at at a you know, a large enough scale to, to make an impact on the company. They may also buy offsets. 
And so they set these goals where, you know, they reduce by 10%, by 20%, by 30% over a period of time. And they have made public promises uh, to be able to meet that. So uh, offsets are a part of that portfolio and how they achieve. Um, that's kind of the, the squishy part because it doesn't necessarily cost a company a lot of money or, or bad headlines to miss an environmental goal. I mean, Certainly, they don't want to. They don't have the intention of it. Um, but it's you know it, they are not legally obligated to hit that, and so maybe they don't. You know, if the price becomes too high, that's the that's the challenge with voluntary markets. The other reason why these companies are buying is because there is the the potential, the risk of regulation in the future of a some kind of uh, carbon tax of some kind of burden. Now, I want to be very clear that I do not expect, nor have I heard any whispers of a carbon tax being levied on any agribusiness at all, right? That's not the concern here. But if you are an oil and gas company, if you are a financial company, if you are a you know, uh, a telecommunications company, there may be a risk in the future. And so the reason why you buy voluntary credits is to show that you can self-regulate, that you are doing a lot in this space and that um, you do not need any uh, uh, government regulation to come in um, and dictate what your environmental practices are because you are making a lot of you know progress and, and improvements on your own. And so essentially, these businesses that are going to claim that they're making these improvements, they don't actually have to necessarily change anything about their business. They can spend the money to buy the credits that say they've made a change. But essentially, really what's happening is it's the farmers making the change and being paid to do so. Is that right? That's correct. That's absolutely correct. Yep. Uh, that is you've, fascinating. <laughs> um, and and it's, a, it's kind of a win-win. Um, now, there's only so far that offsets can go in this space. Um, eventually, there will be expectations that uh, companies do both. They improve their own operations and they're purchasing offsets, right? But um, so, so I, and I think, I think uh, lots of co companies out there are making good faith efforts at, at doing both. But um, there, is, there is value for the growers in supplying this. There's value for the companies in buying this. The interesting question is, how does that impact the price of the credit? Because at some point, what if you are trying to avoid regulation, you have a, a price in mind of what a regulation will cost per ton. You know, it might be $50, it might be $100. And the theory is that you are willing to pay your price for carbon, the price that you will pay a grower for, for one ton of CO2 stored in their soils should be up to that point, whatever you think future regulation might be. So um, that's kind of the game. And that's what uh, that's, that's why voluntary markets are kind of squishy because that, that price might be kind of different for everybody. But um, that is a, a very important component of um, what I think will uh, uh, consistently um, guide uh, organizations to keeping their, their promises and to really um, moving, um, uh, continuing to consume these credits, even as prices rise here. 
So if you just think, sit, just sit back and think about this. So somewhere along the line, they come up with these carbon credits. And then at some point they said, okay, you can now sell and buy carbon credits. On a market. On a market. We're marketing something. Who's marketing something? Who's, who, who was the first person that bought a carbon credit and who was the first person who sold a carbon credit? And how did they even know what that was? How do we measure this? Yeah. That's what is it? I can't see it. I can't weigh it. I can't measure it. I, I, I mean, Bitcoins was at least a coin. Right? <laughs> it's not. Well, it's called a what coin. What is a coin? What is a Bitcoin? <laughs> you got one in your pocket? I didn't buy any. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, me neither. <laughs> but it seems, it just seems so crazy that you're just sitting back like, yeah, yeah, we should buy some carbon credits. Yeah. Who do I call? That soil um, looks carbony. Hmm. <laughs> well, so, I mean, I am not the person to uh, tell you where it all started, but um, the, the market is fairly vibrant today and um, agriculture is not the only place where you are generating credits. Um, forestry has a long history of, of uh, generating credits. Um, methane capture from landfill will generate credits. Um, and so that's at, at least 20, 30 years um, of, uh, of buying, selling, trading credits here. I think um, the global market is still quite small. Um, but many companies have been buying for a long time. What's, what's new is that, um, uh, well, somewhat new. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you all remember the Chicago climate exchange, uh, 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, uh, worked on, on some, um, uh, carbon credits for, for us-based uh, growers as well. Um, and, uh, yeah. uh, this is somewhat of a, of a, um, uh, I, mean, I mean, many, many listeners probably will be familiar with that, uh, largely based on tillage practices, reduction in tillage practices would, would uh, create a credit. Um, the problem was that the demand that was expected uh, was cap and trade. Uh, and Romney was, or uh, excuse me, Romney, um, uh, McCain was promising uh, cap and trade. Obama was promising cap and trade. Okay, so Obama got into office never happened. There was no demand. And so that, that kind of faded away. But, um, the, the idea that, uh, what, what has changed now is that, you know, regulation may happen, but, uh, the voluntary markets and corporate buyers for this have, have kind of uh, resurged in, in our, our buying fairly substantially. So, so anyway, that's kind of the history of, of how these carbon markets work and, and the infrastructure that we're working on, uh, is not, created new for growers here. Um, it, the, the markets, the demand, the definitions are already in place. Um, and and uh, this is one of many credits uh, that can be traded. So that's kind of how, how uh, that, that part works. Um, yeah. So I don't know, that probably clear as mud, right? <laughs> Absolutely clear as mud. Yep. <laughs> so the, so carbon credits, how, how long have they been around? Yeah, I, I would say uh, uh, in earnest, um, uh, at least 20 years. Um, and and uh, forestry has done this for a long time. So the, the concept was that if you uh, can pay a landowner to, to not log his land, um, then that is a fair trade, essentially. So carbon stays stored in those trees, uh, continued 
sequestration, carbon keeps going into the, into the soils of that forest. Um, and you can make a reasonable claim that uh, that was not you know, emission didn't happen if those if those trees were, were cut down. So um, that's kind of that's kind of a, the, my the genesis as I understand. I'm sure we'll get um, uh, folks that are more knowledgeable than I am out there that will write in and say that's not at all how it happened. But that's uh, that's uh, uh, forestry has long been in the U.S. selling uh, credits um, for non logging. And just so everyone knows, if you are going to write in, make sure you email Becky. She's, she handles all those. <laughs> yeah. being kind of quiet up there. My throat hurts. <laughs> uh, sorry, Becky. I'm going to get you a bunch of uh, uh, very well-informed uh, uh, listeners uh, writing you in in a, in a, in a yeah. couple minutes here. <laughs> That'll be all good. Steel, how do we how do we measure this? Yeah, uh, really good question. And, and um, one of some debate, right? Um, the truth is to be uh, absolutely 100% certain at the sub acre level, it's way too expensive. Uh, so you, you, I mean, there are, you, you, there's technology out there that can do it. Um, and so what, what we are trying to find is a balance of, of very high certainty um, that can still be um, affordable given the price of the credits. Um, so what has what typically happens uh, and what happens in our program is that we use environmental modeling uh, produced by the USDA, produced by um, uh, agriculture extension groups um, that suggest that given certain parameters, uh, soil types, um, weather patterns um, and agricultural practices, uh, they model out how much carbon is stored in a given year. Um, it's a carbon algorithm. Yes, that's exactly right. That's Layered exactly right. data. So yep. essentially, if you're selling your carbon, it, it uh, you wait till the end of the year to know how much you actually saved depending on the weather? Yep, the uh, that that's that's in part uh is it's primarily driven by the practices uh that you use and uh we can give you a a very strong estimate of where you're gonna uh model out to be um and then uh, uh after that passes through what is a, a a fairly um lengthy auditing process where uh, that fbn does that you don't do um then we can come back to you with that with a certain uh certainty of those credits that are generated so uh, largely modeling based on um, practices. And so if I come to you, um, I call you up and I say, um, well, so I put down 150 pounds of nitrogen a year uh, raising corn and I'm full tillage. You'll come back and say, if you drop your nitrogen to 130 pounds per acre, does it depend then what kind of a crop you raise off of that? Or is it just uh just a per acre basis. Yeah, it, uh, it absolutely depends. So, um, but two things, I mean, uh, the, the first is that, um, you have to make sure that you don't have a yield drag. I mean, I, I want to be very clear. None of this works with a yield drag, not just because it's a requirement of the program, but I mean, with corn at, at $5 or more, you're not going to be interested in giving up even one, you know, a single bushel, right? Like this Correct. is, 
<laughs> yeah. For, but for, for no no amount of carbon credits are you going to give up uh, a yield. And so um, that that's gonna that's gonna drive a lot of this. But um, in in the protocols in the rules that we're following, uh, you can't have more than a five percent uh, yield drag from your. Um, uh, your average production history. So, okay. Um, so off of your, your proven yields. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. But you can't, you can't judge that yield drag off of one year. I mean, cause you could have one bad year that doesn't line up with your APH at all. So then That's, you just wouldn't get paid for that one year. Uh, no. So you would, uh, what, what would happen is you would submit a, uh, in the benchmarking period, you would submit him some historicals so that we would be able to, uh, show that. Right. So, uh, additionally, you wouldn't, there is flexibility in the program. You have like one, one bad year doesn't kick you out. This is a, uh, average going forward. Right. The, the point is to say, um, I mean, it was clearly designed by, by folks that are not growers. Right. But the, the idea is that if you're growing corn and you go from, as you said, 150, uh, pounds, um, to, you don't go down to zero and claim that you're generating a lot of carbon credits when your yield is like, you know, 20 bushels or 50 bushels or something like that. They, sure. the, the intent is to show that you are actively farming and farming in a similar way. So and, yeah, like clearly nobody will do that, but that's like, yeah. that's part of how the rules were, were written. So probably a better way to say it is I, I put down 150 pounds of nitrogen now all up front. I'm going to go to split and applications, get myself down to 130. And then I'm also going to go reduce till. So then do you pay out on a year by year basis? And then for how many years do you have to continue that? Yeah, that that's exactly right. So that, I mean, that, what this is, is, is it should pay you for efficiency, right? Uh, for, for the first time where, you know, not, not all growers, but, uh, what, what, uh, uh, you know, nitric can, can be is a, uh, insurance policy, you know, uh, to make sure that you're really gonna, you know, hit that, you know, you don't want to come up short is a common phrase, right? <laughs> so Something for the Zach knows time, all too well. Yeah. <laughs> he's, it's tough. <laughs> I do it frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, and, and, and that's kind of really the interesting game here is that, you know, uh, the, the incentives are all on the yield side for the most part. There is, if you focus on a return on investment, you do want to be efficient on inputs, but the the rewards are much more heavily weighted towards the um, the yield side than it is the efficiency side, right? And this is going to balance it a little bit to the other side where you're thinking twice about, you know, do, do can I put down five pounds less? Can I put down 10 pounds less? And do I have the yield dragon? And do I really have enough information to make that decision, right? It, Am I confident in that? And and that will lead to a lot of experimentation, I believe. So that that aside, um, you asked about how often what what is the cadence of credit generation? And and um for us, it is uh annual uh and you can generate credits for 10 years. Um, so that means that um for your you go through the entire production cycle, um, you finish, you have complete information about how that crop was, was grown, all of your fertilizer, you know, you, if you have a cover crop, if, what your tillage were, you have your yields. And then uh, we start the application process for that year for those credits. It takes about 
nine months. Uh, the end, you are awarded credits. And you can do that 10 times based on a benchmark that you set in year zero. So all of this is improvements from that from that benchmark with some um, a couple of years uh, historical uh, credits to um, recognize uh, recent improvements as well. Are we getting too technical here? Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. This is super businessy, but I have a lot of questions. It's yeah. all very interesting. <clears throat> I'm still a little confused. I, feel bad I, I was counseled to keep it light. I feel like I have been in the weeds from the, from the first 30 seconds we got started. I, no. I, um, no, cause I kind of knew coming into it. Okay. We're going to talk carbon credits, which is, not like a, I mean, I don't know that much about it and neither does Randy, I don't know which is what makes it fascinating. I mean, I'm guessing the majority of our listeners are kind of in the same place where, yeah, I've heard of carbon credits. I have the general idea of it, but I mean, how really, how does right. this work? My big question is as a normal farmer here or as, you know, relatively close to normal, <laughs> I mean, okay. So I'm conventional till now we've been reducing tillage fairly quickly um i've got some cover crop planted out there that i hope comes up this spring we're, we're working on it but it's a direction that i want to move in how much extra effort is it going to be to keep track of the difference i'm making how, how much extra how much extra effort will it take to enter a program like you you're we're talking about here which we should get into more as far as gradable and fbn and what you're doing but first how much extra work will it be and how much money can I make off of it? Is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my name down, flip it and reverse it. <laughs> that's, that's old school there. <laughs> uh, so is it worth it is a personal question. It's going to depend on. Uh, my what wife you're... asks herself that personal question once in a while. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> is it worth it? Well, uh, well, uh, yeah, I um, and I'm not going to press you on what the answer to that question is. We, we can just move on from that. Oh, um, <laughs> Becky, I forgot you're on the phone. I I, I should ask you what the <laughs> afterwards. She doesn't seem to want to answer because she knows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, it really it depends it depends on uh we're not ready to move on yet we're still we're still laughing at that uh <laughs> is it, the pizzas have just been delivered you guys this is this is great i second I pizza this. i told them to make sure we had a pizza like it's 7 15 ish and they brought down well they one of them's about a half hour old now one of them's fresh neither of them are cut though i'm pretty sure you're supposed to eat one and i eat the other yeah we can do i got a multi-tool <laughs> we can cut them <laughs> Wait, is this your, this is your children that, that, uh, yeah. Bring this well, yeah. Zach, amazing. They're like my own little Oompa Loompas. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So I have, uh, I think I have a lot. It was a complex question. So is it worth it? Was that, was the general gist? There was, there were, yes. there was a, there were a couple questions in there, but um, it depends. You know, these are real costs, right? Um, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at cover crop and depending on what you're, what you're trying to do. I mean, I, I, if you're doing, if you're doing kind of a basic cover crop, maybe it's, maybe it's what, 
$10 an acre. If you, if you do something complex, if you're doing it like a, a like a, uh, your own cocktail, you know, um, it can be what $30 an acre. I don't know what, what, uh, what you guys are looking at, but that's real dollars. And then we're talking about, um, what, what do you get on the other side? Right. I, it, certainly soil health benefits for sure. Don't want to discount that. Um, but I, you know, where, where carbon credit prices are today, if we're looking at $20 per ton, um, per, you know, per, and you're maybe getting, depending on, you know, what practices you adopt and, and, uh, some other parameters, a half a ton or to one ton per acre, um, that doesn't pencil out. Right. So it really has to be a personal decision where you sit down with a, with a pencil and, and I mean, this is not an infomercial, but this is honestly, I think the real work of figuring out if the carbon markets are right for you, if these practices are right for you, but, you know, uh, figuring out with uh, a trusted advisor, with an agronomist, with, uh, with FBN, you know, if we can be of assistance to helping you figure out what, what all this stuff looks like. Uh, this is, this can't be a decision made exclusively for, you know, okay, I'm going to go participate in carbon markets. It has to be like, what do I want to do with my farm? You know, um, what are, what, what do I want to do for, for inputs? What are my yield goals? Uh, what do I want to do to promote soil health? And what can I, what, how can I plug in carbon credits on top of that? All of that decision needs to be made together and you, you can't separate it out. And I'm, I am so sick of people saying, Oh yeah, cover crops. Oh yeah. Tillage practice just to go do it. Right. Like it's, it's hard and it costs money. (laughs) So I just want to, I'll get off my soapbox here. Um, But I, we, you, we cannot, I, and I do not want to give out a, a blanket statement to say, Yep. Here you do. Like, here are the three practices. Go ahead, be successful. And here's, you know, here's the payment. It doesn't work like that. So um, it's got to be what works for your farm and what works with the, with the planning that you, that you have overall. Everybody likes saving money, including myself. And a great way to save money right now is by paying 0% interest, which means you're actually not paying any interest because it's 0% when you're financing your inputs for next season. That's a no brainer. Over at FBN Direct, they've got the 0% Club, where if you spend $35,000 or more on inputs through their online store by March 31st, you'll get 0% financing through FBN Direct all season long. Of course, you have to be approved first, but that's standard stuff. And for our friends north of the border, up in Canada, you'll need to spend 50 grand in Canadian dollars in order to get the same deal. Don't forget, membership at FBN is now free, so there's nothing holding you back from saving money on what you need for the growing season. Along with the savings, Make sure you check out their other financing offers, crop marketing intel, crop insurance, and health coverage. There's nothing else for farmers like FBN, so go ahead, check it all out at FBN.com. Based off the rough numbers that you just tossed out there that I wrote down, I mean, what we're saying here, basically, if you want to really dumb it down, which I do because I'm kind of a dummy, we're talking about a little extra side piece to help cover some of the costs to offset maybe the change in, in practices that you're looking at. Whereas like you say, you don't want to discredit the soil health factor. Um, So if we're going to add cover crops to the operation, if we're going to reduce tillage, those are clearly good things. We know at this point when it comes to soil health, as long as we can come close on our yield goals, 
Um, a lot of math that goes into that. But if the neighbor does this and I don't at this point, the neighbor isn't going to have a massive advantage over me, you know, financially. Right. I mean, we're, we're talking about something to help you change your practices. We're not talking about do or die situation at this point. Yeah, I think that that's the best way to think about it. But you have to afford me one caveat. And I know that we've been <laughs> it's just like it, en- endless details here. But um, I'm going to come back to additionality. So there is another insidious component of additionality. Um, it's not just is it new for you? It's also is it a common practice? And the test for if it's a common practice is if 50% of your county does it. And there's a, there can be a lot of debate about how you, yeah, how you figure that out. But uh, the point is that if you are in the first 50%, you're going to get payments, right? And those, those payments may or may not be worth it. And you may look at it and say, look, you know, forget it. It's not, I'm not going to do this at all. But if you're going to do it and you just don't get around to it until after it becomes a common practice, then you might not get any assistance at all. You don't want to be late to the game on this. Yeah. And, and I don't want to create un, undue urgency, right? It's not like, you know, uh, uh, cover crops in your county are going to go from zero to 50% overnight, but also like, you know, if you're going to, if you're typical, you know, uh, mode of, of adopting or thinking about a new practice is like, you know, look and wait and see how, you know, it evolves in your region and look at, you know, how, what happens with, with uh, uh, your neighbors and other things like then it, then it might be too late. So that's an important thing for, for guys to keep, you know, for, for, for growers to keep, you know, in their back pocket um, because this is not going to be available forever. So if I understand right, we're talking, as of now, so if we go down to like a reduced tail or a no tail, uh, maybe cut a little nitrogen, there's a possibility of 15 to $30 per acre worth of carbon credits. If the, if our yield doesn't take a hit. And less than 50% in your county are using those practices. Right. But you would know that ahead of time. Right. Which around here, definitely not. It, right. What is that? Did I, did I follow that right when you said your crop has to at least do its average or were you just talking that that because the farm would take a hit? Uh, So um, I'm not, I I broke up very briefly there, so I didn't follow all of the math. Um, I did hear uh, 15 to $30. I think that that's, that would be very high uh, to be honest where prices are um, because uh, there is, and we haven't we haven't even gotten a chance to talk about this, but the other kind of main factor um, in how these credits are are generated, you know, additionality was one big topic that we talked about, but permanence is the other big topic, and um, permanence is a the way that it's dealt with is that um, a portion of the credits that are are produced are held aside in a pool um, to be insurance, essentially. So if there is some kind of reversal, for example, if you, you know, uh, uh, if you're, if you end up selling land and, and in 20 years and it becomes, you know, housing or a strip mall or something, that is a reversal. And uh, at the beginning of the show, remember, we talked about 
the permanence guarantee being a hundred years. And so at what that, what, you know, not, not so important that we, that we dig into that, but what it, what is important is that that means that every, out of every credit generated, we have to hold some aside um, to cover that insurance pool. And so, and then there are, you know, there are other fees. And so uh, I think that it, it is important to know that you are as a, as a uh, generator of these credits, uh, probably keeping something along the lines of 60% of the actual credit after you clear insurance, after you clear fees, um, and so, you know, if you're generating one ton per acre, uh, which I think would also be on the high end, uh, keeping 60% of that, you know, selling it for $20, uh, that means it's $12 an acre. Okay. So, uh, uh, yeah, so it, so it is, it, we, this is not something that you should, I mean, we, we should like get the math straight and that is going to be grower by grower, practice by practice, uh, figuring out what's going to, what's going to work here. Um, you know, I, I think the, the, uh, the most unfortunate thing that has been sold about carbon credits and, and carbon markets is that it's, you know, you, you sign, you sign up for it. It's easy. It's, it's, it's $30, $45 in your pocket per, per acre. And that's just not, not the case. Like this is, this is like real cut and dried. It's going to work for some guys. It's going to not work for other guys. And then if price goes up, it's going to work for some more guys, you know, and if price goes down, it's going to, you know, then you're really going to be questioning whether you want to keep doing this or what, you know, what you want to do. So it's a, it's a real commodity in that sense. Why don't we get into a little bit on how, like, what, what is FBN doing right now with Gradable? First off, how did that happen? And then how, how do you become a part of that and help me as the farmer that wants to get into this carbon market deal? I mean, how, how, like, what, what's your role in that? How do you make money? Yeah. How do I make money? Because obviously, we both have to make money at this. And, and then, but before we get into that, Isla, do you need a slice of pizza? So what's the whiskey? Uh, I'm drinking Bullet. Ah. Yeah, bourbon, yeah. Um, that is a one vice. That's all I'll admit to on air. <laughs> what uh, what kind of whiskey is that? Uh, it's a it's a bourbon. It's um, Kentucky bourbon. Okay. Yep. Shout out to any listeners from Kentucky if you're if you're on. <laughs> Randy and I have been to Kentucky. We have. I got a yeah. ticket there for going over the bridge and, and I took the, apparently the lane where I'm not allowed to take it. I don't believe you cared at that time in the morning or yeah. I wasn't really thinking straight. <laughs> you, it was a long night. You weren't doing well. <laughs> Actually it was a short night. Technically it was a short morning. So I, let me, let me tell you a little bit about uh, why we have a separate brand here to begin with, because that's the kind of the first time that FBN has, has developed a separate brand. And, and by, by separate brand, you're meaning gradable is separate yet together with FBN. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so uh, gradable really is our sustainability arm. And the reason why we, we started uh, gradable was to be able to develop technology that was, uh, um, uh, beneficial to growers, but not necessarily for their use, um, because uh, we saw in you know uh, creating opportunities for growers to you know. Oh, let me back up. Uh, Gradable was uh, designed to help growers uh, get preferential treatment or premiums through environmental claims. Full stop. 
the reason, and that started uh, within FBN, um, but we were running into problems on the buy side uh, because um, we, we really couldn't run sustainability programs through existing supply chains. Um, lots of problems on, on uh, how uh, data could flow, how claims could flow, how we could do traceability programs, transparency programs. And so we've developed some uh, tools and technology on the buy side to help facilitate that. So uh, that's the reason for the separate brand. But uh, what growers should think about for, for Gradable is that this is the brand that's going to get you paid for environmental claims. It should be additional and it should provide you new opportunities, whether it is for uh, supply chain programs uh, to get premiums on, you know, uh, supporting uh, claims to end users on, you know, we've done programs for everything from a box of pasta to a gallon of ethanol to uh, we're working on some, some things in the, um, uh, we're, we're working on doing a, a low carbon uh, pork chop. <laughs> um, all of those things we run through this uh, uh, business with called Gradable. So, so the reason why we launched an offset program is because supply chain programs are important, but they're very regional. You know, you have to actually deliver grain into a very specific place um, to be able to get uh, access to that. Uh, and offset programs are going to be available, you know, nationwide. Um, and so what we think is going to happen is that uh, growers are going to have uh, the option uh, to pursue whatever market their claim is most valuable for. And that may very well be an offset market, right? It may be a supply chain program. Uh, it depends where you are, what you're growing and, and you know, what you want to pursue. So it's the reason why we have started this is to give growers more option to make more money. And that's, that, that was the basis of it. I'm, I'm going to put something in real simple terms here. And this is, this is the way that it was explained to me on the gradable side of things and what makes the gradable or the FBN program a little bit different from some of the other options out there when it comes to the carbon markets is the fact that gradable is going to allow the farmers to bank these credits themselves and decide how they are sold versus selling them directly to gradable for a set price where gradable can then put them in their, their bank and sell them when they decide. Is that right? Absolutely right. So, Coming to the uh, to the offset market specifically, right? Uh, one of the again, one of the reasons why uh, we one of the one of the core components um, that that growers are going to need in this is the ability to choose where their 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 claims flow, right? And that might be supply chain programs. It might be to the offset market to these or these carbon credits, right? The the second component of that is is this uh, idea that um, you know if this is a new commodity, uh, growers should be given the option to bank, to hold, to speculate on what the market is going to do, or they should be able to price to sell at the current offer. Um, and that is just, it's so fundamental to me that I'm surprised that we had to launch it uh, to be in this space because uh, of course, that's what, that that's the only kind of program that would be grower facing, grower focused and farmers first, right? Like uh, everything else appears to be a play for a project developer, credit generator, credit uh, buyer to get you to sign a piece of paper, 
have ownership of that credit and then and then they can enjoy the upside. So that that's it's it should be table stakes. I I don't even know why we have to, you know, why we have to promote this. That's that should be the bare minimum that growers expect and that's uh how we're coming to market. So the final piece what makes us different is that uh we're offering technical assistance to help generate more credits. Um, this, I mean, we've spent an hour talking about all this stuff. It's not, you know, it's not binary. It's not, you do cover crops, you don't do cover crops. This takes careful planning, understanding, and then, and then you want to work with somebody who's going to understand your, your overall farm goals. And that's going to be, you know, a lot, uh, of, of, uh, decisions um, that we think that you need support on. So uh, I think there's a, there are, What's shiny and flashy in the market right now is a, is a price for carbon, right? What's going to be important medium and long-term is how are you going to make, how are you going to generate the most credits and how are you going to make the most money from that? And that is definitely not the opening price offer, right? So those, those are the three ways that, that we are different and why we feel it's necessary for FBN and for Gradable to be in this market. Assuming here now that somebody that wants to get into this market is clearly going to have to keep actual track of what those changes are, you know, without without sounding too pitchy or selly here with FBN, I I on I, I would assume they're going to have to keep track of the stuff. So being a data platform to help the farmers do that makes sense as an extension of keeping track of the credits that you have. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I think it, you, at your own peril, work with a new organization or, or a group that you've never shared data with before. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I have to say a lot more about that. I, I feel like growers really uh, appreciate, understand that. But um, the, 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 the fact that we, you know, uh, we're a trusted um, home for your data and we have been through, you know, uh, for quite a long time that we provide uh, the analytics that have, you know, that are useful for planning full farm operations. Um, that system is the same system in which we'll be running this, uh, these carbon programs from. So if you've found it useful to, to uh, put your data there already, um, there's not going to be much of an additional requirement for uh, record keeping for tracking um, than, than, you know, is with that, you know, core analytics platform. There will be a little bit. There's some uh, specific questions and data points that we're tracking just for um, these environmental programs. But by and large, uh, if you are, you know, if you're finding use with that, that platform, this will be pretty easy for you to participate with. Just another way FBN is putting farmers first, Randy. <laughs> well, well, well said. Thank you. <laughs> that, that was, that was a stylized voice. I like that. that was pretty good. <laughs> so I got another question here. So you mentioned earlier, uh, low carbon pork chops. Oh, so when you sell a low carbon pork chop, can you still use a carbon copy like on the slip? <laughs> <laughs> <Andy>. <laughs> I was, I was, I was about to answer that question. I was like, I, 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 was so yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I apparently know him well enough that the entire time I was waiting for the punchline. Like I, I knew, I knew the sarcastic question was coming. Uh, no, R- Randy has given me the hardest questions of this entire thing. Like I, I feel like he has been buttering me up to give me a question serious with me. <laughs> you got anything else randy i mean without without sitting down for like a week straight here 
I mean, I think we've we've covered a lot of it. Um, okay. His, oh, I got one here. I got one. Hang tight. How does Gradable make money? If I'm working with you. Yep. Great question. So um, let me explain how how other programs work, and then I will explain how our program works. So. Um, uh, the, the way that other programs work is they will uh, give you a price, uh, you sign up, and then they will control all of your credits. Uh, they will they will essentially, you're signing over your credits to them. Um, and then what that means is that, yes, you get a guaranteed price, but any upside, any market movement, uh, any any buyer, you don't get a say in. Right? They're the ones uh, that know how to market them, so they're going to grab, it's basically arbitrage. That's correct. Uh, that's correct. Right. Um, so what, what, uh, and, and in that they cover their fees, uh, they cover the, uh, insurance pool. And so it's not, you know, uh, it, the only, there are real costs here. Um, so I don't want to vilify them, but, uh, the idea that you can't participate in, in upward movement or that they might, you know, take pity and, and change their contract and come back to you and give you more money is just like not something that I, I think I think works. So the way that our contracts work, uh, we split the credits. Uh, we take uh, 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 the insurance is 25 percent. Uh, we take 15 percent to manage uh, to do all of the registry to do to run the soil sampling that's required uh, to run our own uh, data operations, analytics, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then the remaining 60 percent goes into the grower's wallet. And then they get to sell at the price, whatever the price is. So if the price is, you know, you hear about 20 percent or 20 percent, you hear about twenty dollars. That's the price. You hear about $30. That's the price. You hear about $50. That's the price. So it's not um, the arbitrage opportunity is not uh, somebody else's. It is, in fact, yours. And so if you see a price that you like and you want to you want to lock that in, uh, we'll facilitate that. Now, um, what FBN also does is we consistently bring you bids, right? So um, the large buyers, um, the financial institutions, the the tech firms, the you know even uh, oil and gas if they're buying, right? Uh, we bring those those bids in, and you can say yes, this is the price. Yes, this is the company that I want to consume my credit, or you can say no, thanks, I'm going to hold. Uh, that's up to you. But um, whatever the going market rate is, you're going to be able to participate in that. So we just get a hold of our our local FBN rep then if we want to, to know more. Like Todd, we'd call Todd. And we could call Todd. He would call, Todd you, call Todd Underwood. Call Todd right now. He'll swing yeah. by. We, we should call Todd. Um, Todd is very knowledgeable on this. Yeah. Uh, call your local FBN rep. Um, go to our website, gradable.com backslash carbon fill out a form and we'll have somebody reach you two guys. I'm sure you can route that. Uh, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're feeling inbound all the time. That uh, time I bet he just did it. <laughs> <laughs> Your internet yeah. cut out again, but we did, we did get the website. We got, we got the message. Okay. R- Randy, did you suggest that I, I uh, hung up to call Todd? Is that what you, uh... no, I just, the whole time I keep wondering if, if you just freeze, like I would just comment. <laughs> like our, our video feed just froze there for a little bit <laughs> yeah uh sorry sorry guys uh i hope that's not too disruptive but I we are very it. very disappointed yeah <laughs> in a structured show like this how could you do this to us uh well uh i'll tell you what we should have gone from the agenda i don't know why we why we ripped it up becky you're 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 feedbacking 
into the system. Get it together up there, Becky. Becky, are you TikToking? Oh, oh, oh. can you oh. hear me now? Sorry. No, oh, can you I hear me to, now? I, I'm using. Yeah, I was using my AirPods and I took them out to talk to Onyx quick, and then apparently that didn't work. Ah. Ah. <laughs> we need a real studio here where the internet works and the children don't bring us pizzas. <laughs> Well, we do have a real studio. We just, it's too bad we can't have everybody in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, and we can't keep the children out, which they brought us pizzas yeah, this no. time. So right, right. I'm, I'm not guess, complaining. Whatever. They're good. Oh, Onyx. They're good for something. Could you grab a couple beers out of that fridge? Yep. Yep. We well, should have planned ahead, like though. I mean, Steele should have had a pizza there, too, and then we could have all enjoyed pizza together. We should have. Just, just an been, hour of us. He's been pizza sitting together. here watching us eat pizza all night. Yeah. <laughs>